Hello and welcome to Zealous Talks. Today we are talking about passion, our last core value. Pastor Ninad is speaking in the second part of his talk titled, I am Zealous. But we have been really enjoying the, over the last few weeks as to what it means to be a community, right? Not just any kind of community, but a God-centered community. And, and we have been talking about these, these values over the last 10 weeks. And uh, today is the 10th week, actually. We started out this, this series uh, just so that all of us know what it means to, to, to be a part of Zealous. Because you can come in. Every week, I keep saying this, but I'm going to say it again. You can come in every week. You can, you can be a part of every program that we announce. You can sign up. You can be involved. But if you really miss out on the heartbeat of what God is doing through Zealous, then I think, you know, that, that's a totally different conversation we need to have. And so that all of us are on the same page, even as we close out on 2019, I feel the timing of this series is, is very timely. Anybody with me on that? Right. So today is is our last week. We're gonna we're continuing talking about uh, passion. And if you were here last week, we we I titled this this two part talk called "I Am Zealous." Can we can we do that again? Uh, some feedback on the mic, guys. Uh, can we can we just turn to the person next to you and say, "I am zealous." I am zealous. And, and I kind of asked this question last week as to when we kind of, you know, wrapped up the, the talk. Are you zealous? Like, are you really zealous? You know, because we, we, we looked at what it means, what are the three signs of, of, of being a person who can be called zealous or who can be tagged as zealous. And, and we saw that from the life of David, right? And, and today we're going to be continuing uh, the, the talk, I Am Zealous. And, and I thought, you know, the best way to kind of conclude this value series is kind of throw in something that the, that the church, that the body of Christ should, should thrive on. Can everybody say thrive on? Thrive. You know, uh, Paul, we, we have been talking about him for the, for, for the last few weeks as well before we started the uh, core value series. Paul is encouraging one of his communities that he's writing to, the church in Galatians. And he tells them that if you really want to grow and experience the freedom that you have in Christ, these few things are essential. And then he talks about these, these, this, this very famous few scriptures that we all have probably heard at least once. And, and here's the thing, right? How many of you can say you're a Christ follower? Wow, you need time to think. Which is good. Thank you for not just blatantly lifting up your hands. But okay, let's do this again now that you have thought. How many of you really think that you are a Christ follower? All right? Okay, not bad. Something's been working right over the last few weeks. More hands going up. See, one of the most significant ways people get to know that we are true Christ followers is either by the work of your hands. Can everybody say the work of my hands? And the words of my mouth. Do you think that makes sense? One, these, I think these two indicators, it's in your day-to-day -day life, okay? I'm not just talking about this time. I'm not just talking about church settings, but two simple indicators, the words of your mouth and the work of your hands are, are very significant indicators for anyone to know if you're a Christ follower. 
Because if you're really careful, if you're really intentional about the words that come out of your mouth, how many of you know that you, your, your, your mouth, your tongue has power? In, in the confessions you make, in the declarations that you, that you make, the, the words you speak, the kind of, the kind of attitude that you speak with, the, your words have power. And, and both of these, you know, the work of your hands and the words of your mouth convey your overall attitude they convey your approach towards life and they also speak about your character. Am I right? Hey, I mean, I know it gets quiet, but let's not like, let it not die so soon also, okay? Come on, guys, talk back to me, right? Thank you, Colonel. You know, so these two things are very simple. And see, a life, we're talking about passion. We're talking about being zealous. And a life that is zealous for God is a fruitful life. In, in every area, God desires that you and me are fruitful. And, and so Paul is encouraging the, the Galatians community is that if you really want to abide in, the, in, this, in this relationship with Christ, this is what Paul is encouraging. Let's turn to Galatians 5 verses 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? Come on guys, you know this. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness. Half of you stop saying it faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? Now, if you are like me, if you've grown up in a Christian home, you were forced that you should learn these words, right? Right? And we all know how that went for us, you know? Like, okay, what, what comes after joy? Like this morning, you know, when I was just reading this, this, this verses, I was just like, okay, I need to make sure that I get this nine right, you know, because I'm a, I'm a pastor, you know, I can't mess this up. You know, but, but, you know, sometimes we focus so much on this that we actually forget the essence of these words. And so Paul is diving into this. And, and I'm not going to steer away from what we have been talking about. We are still going to be talking about David. But I want us to really focus on these few words, these few attributes that Paul is encouraging the church. Because what Paul is trying to tell, tell them is everything that you believe, everything that you do, as a Christ follower, ought to result in some of these. No amens to that, all right? Everything that we say that we believe in, everything that we stand for, should result in one of these or all of this. And, and what I love about the life of David is David reflected this through his life. I'm not kidding. We, we could, I'm gonna, today I'm just going to try and keep it short. All right? That's why I said I try and keep it short. So I'm just going to talk about two instances from the life of David where he really modeled out these fruits, where he really modeled out the, result, the outcome of, of the way he carried his life, the outcome of the way he lived his life, really modeled out these things. So are you ready to dive in, guys? And, and I know out of all the possible times that I've come up and shared the Word of God, I, I believe this is a timely word for all of us. And so I really want you to not just focus on what I'm saying, but I believe God wants to speak to people in this room tonight. So, so how many of you are really ready to receive the Word of God? So Father, I pray right now, every single person in this room, God, no matter where we stand in our journey of life, and no matter where we stand in our relationship with you, I know, God, that you want to speak to us. So let your word come with power, let it bring conviction, and let it revive, refresh our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. amen. You know, 
first thing I want to share with you, uh, like I said, I'm going to talk about two significant incidences. So I thought, how's a, how can I help all of us remember this? So I came up with a very simple word. It's called ziklag. Can everybody say ziklag? How many of you have heard that before? Right? All right. Okay. So, so just turn to the person next to you and just say ziklag. It's okay if you don't know the meaning. We'll get there. But if you want to remember this story, if you want to remember how God works, remember this word. Ziklag. Sounds like I just made it up, right? No, I didn't. It's there in the Bible. So let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 30, and we're going to read the first six verses. David and his men reached. Come on, guys. I just taught you something new. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burnt it. By now, you should really know Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burnt it and had taken, the cap and taken captive the woman and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and their sons and daughters taken captive. Anybody's family been kidnapped over here? No, I'm just, why are you guys laughing? It's a serious question, guys. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. <laughs> Patricia, are you planning something? <laughs> All right, okay, okay, let's go back. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured. Guys, don't get excited. Just, uh, Ahinom of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters, but, but David found strength in the Lord his God. David found strength in the Lord his God. I told you something. Ziklag was one of the incidences in David's life where he modeled peace, where he modeled out patience, and where he modeled, when he, where he experienced the goodness of God. And I, and I just want to take a few minutes to break it down. You know, so, so Ziklag, you know, this place, I just want to give you a, a context of everything that we read, these few verses that we read so far. In a nutshell, David and his troops are... are actually escaping or running away from this king called Saul who's after David's life. Last week, we spoke about David as a king, right? But this is before he took over as, as king of Israel. This, is, this incident is happening during that time. And while David and his men are being chased, David is running for his life, he decides to settle in for something that he's never meant to settle in. So, a guy who, who we were praising and we were so blown away with last week, who slayed the, the giants, who, who kind of, you know, slayed the lion, who slayed the bear. This is the same passionate guy we are talking about today who is running away. Even the passionate ones suffer. Any passionate guys over here? 
Even the passionate ones suffer if they get their eyes off what God is really asking you to do. See, Ziklag, you need to understand something about this place. This was a temporary place of, of, of refuge for David and his troop. It was not his destination. Can everybody say destination? It was not his destination. It was a temporary place for David and his men. And I'll tell you why. Because David was so fed up of the Israel army and Saul chasing after his life that he thought it's best that he joins forces with the enemy. The same Philistines who we are talking about, who David slayed, the Goliath that we all know of, David is gone and joined that same army. Can you beat that? I wonder if it speaks a lot about you and me at times where we get so fed up of waiting on God that we think it's best to take things in our own hands and, and do things our way and then this is, sometimes this is what happens. You're running for your life. You have nowhere to go. And... and, and as men in, the, in, the, in that culture during that time, it was absolutely okay for men to weep aloud at that time. Right? So that's what we read. David and his men, they wept so loud until they had no strength in them to even moan or weep. So, you know, sometimes even when the passionate ones take their eyes off God and his plans and his purposes, sometimes we encounter these kind of moments. And this is exactly what is happening with David. You know, so David's identity... And victories were established because he had his eyes fixed on God. Until, until these recent events. Everything that David did, he was, he was victorious. He was, he, he, he was being recognized. He was being, you know, uh, really respected by, by Saul for doing certain things. But now the same David is actually being, being his life is, is a big question right now. He's running for his life. And so... What I really want to help us understand is it's important that your identity and victories, they will be on, they'll only be established if you continue to keep your eyes on God. Most of the times, situations come in our lives that, that compel us, that push us to turn our eyes away from God. Does that happen to anybody over here? But David fell prey to that problem. And this is what happened, you know. He was constantly facing persecution and life threats. And so he thought, you know, I think I just need to go join forces with the enemy. At least I will live. At least I will, I will continue doing what I'm skilled enough to do. So basically, David is trying to say, if I have to paraphrase these few, few things that are happening in the life of David, David is saying, at least I will try and settle in. But here's the thing, David was never meant to settle in. Here's the thing, you and me are never meant to just, just live our life just for the heck of it. Ziklag is a temporary location. The result of David's actions result in this, a distressed soul, somebody who's, who's so stressed, so fed up, He's tired and he's worn out. The place of refuge has become a burnt city. It's been burned down completely. And there's a loss of family and his own people are wanting to stone him. Because of few wrong choices. But I love David. That even in the middle of his mess ups, he does not forget to strengthen himself in God. 
I don't know where you stand in your journey of life. If you have experienced a mess, mess up or if you have been a part who's, who's responsible for a mess up that's happened, can I, can I encourage you from what we are reading? That it's sometimes it's good to encourage yourself in God. It's good to strengthen yourself, not in the situations around you, but what? Strengthen yourself in Lord. One of the translations says, David encouraged himself and strengthened himself in the Lord. I want to tell you, see David, you know, I love this part about him because he does not go to his captains. He does not go to his, his leaders. He does not go to his council. He decides to go to God. Where do you find your encouragement? What is your source of encouragement? Can you ask the person sitting next to you? What's your source? What is your source, Stephen? You know, because sometimes it's better to take things up with God directly. It's better to take things up with God directly. Because sometimes men or, or people don't get it. But God does. And that's what David did. You know, I don't know what, what Ziklag means to you today. But I want to tell you, the very places that you think you're, you're caught up in, or those very, very moments of your life where you feel trapped or locked in, is not your permanent destination. That's your temporary Ziklag that God is just being patient with you so that you can turn to Him and find your encouragement in Him. Find your strength in God, in the midst of your ziklag. I don't know, maybe, maybe some of us are trying to find encouragement in a whole bunch of different things. You know, maybe it's different people, different settings, surroundings. I don't know what it is. You know it way better than I do. But I want to encourage you that even though your, your ziklag is burning, everything that you had has been taken away. Maybe you don't even have the strength to cry over these things because you have spent long enough hours and, and you, have, you have failed after even crying and weeping and kind of tearing up and stopping and tearing up again. But I want to tell you, ziklag is a temporary destination in your life. It's not... Your permanent place. Your permanent, David's permanent place was, his assignment was Israel. His temporary location was Ziklag. Your assignment and my assignment is not the present challenges that we are caught up in. That is very a moment for you and me to find our strength and find our encouragement in the Lord. And I love this part where, where, where David says... God, I want to find my strength in you. There's a part, in the, there's part of this where he says, you know, he starts, he starts inquiring of the Lord. That's what the Bible says. David inquires of the Lord. I want to ask you this very simple question. When was the last time you inquired of the Lord? Not someone else who did it on behalf of you. Because there will always be people who, who will inquire of God on behalf of you. Like when you're growing up, your parents inquired of God on behalf of, of us. Is that right? 
like all the prayers that they did and all the all the protection and things like that. That was that was their responsibility and their role. But now all of us, I want to ask you this very simple question: When was the last time you inquired of God? That's what David does. See, because it's in the, some of you are looking for courage, some of you are looking for strength, some of you are looking for solutions, but it's in the very encouragement that you get courage. It's, it's in the very encouragement that you, that you can find in Christ, you and me find the courage and the strategies and the options and that, that God wants to release and in and through your life. And here's a beautiful part. This story doesn't end in this way. If you go to 1 Samuel chapter, uh, the same chapter, verses 18 and 19, this is the result of someone who passionately seeks God. David sought God. David inquired of him. Now the most logical thing, if you experience a loss, if someone has stolen something from you, what's the most practical thing you do? You make an effort to take it back? Is that right? Now, now here's the thing, we're not talking about David's just treasures or money or things like that. His, his kids, his family, his troops, everything is gone from him. But David, the verses are not up, but David still asks God, God, can I go after them? Can I go after my enemies and try and get it back? See, David understood the power of encouraging himself in the Lord. David understood the power of seeking, not just seeking, passionately seeking God. Can everybody say passionately seeking? See, you and me are meant to be a community that does not just, just say that, hey, we, we go to church every Sunday. God does not want that to be your identity. Our identity is that we are a people that passionately seek the presence of God. With every opportunity in the middle where we are facing a challenge, where we are facing a hardship, whether things are going well or things are not going so well, we still seek God. And that's what David did. And because he passionately sought God and passionately went after God's presence and he waited for God's approval to go after his enemies and restore the thing, this is what it says. David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else they had. David brought everything back. I want to encourage some people in this room it's time you find your encouragement in Jesus. I know there's a lot of information available. I know there are a lot of self-help books. There are a lot of things that you can find your encouragement in. But maybe it's time for you and me to be a community that finds your encouragement in not just these kind of surroundings, but in the presence of God. David did not wait for Ziklag to be restored and then go into God's presence. In the midst of a burnt city, in the midst of where everything had gone missing from him, in the middle of that, David chose to encourage himself in the Lord. Don't wait for situations to become perfect, guys, until you start seeking God. Or rather, don't wait for your places to get burnt down till you start seeking God. 
Don't wait for your passion to, to completely die out and then you go and seek God's face. Don't wait for another spiritual burnout to happen and then when you go and start seeking God. Don't wait for someone to mess up with you and then you seek the presence of God. Every single day, let's be intentional and let's be passionate in seeking God's presence. Because that's where our restoration is. That's where our redemption is. It's in God's presence. Amen? Amen? That's what David did, you know. And it's in this place where David experiences the goodness of God. It's in this place where David learns the patience. It's in this place where David learns about, about how he needs to constantly pursue the presence of God. See, one thing I loved, I, I, I thought we should talk about David when it comes to passion is whether this guy, you know, whether he was, he was a king or he was just a, a layman, the expression of his passion stayed the same. I don't know if you've, if you've ever experienced this, especially if you've, if you've gone up in the ladder of influence in whatever way, you know, whether you're in college, workplace, business, and things like that. Success gets to your head. Anybody? Can I be honest? It's got, it's, I've been there. The progress that God does in your life, it gets to your head. This guy is different. David is different. I'll tell you why. The expression of your true passion reflects in your mountaintops and in your valley lows. This was a valley low experience for David. He still decided to seek God and encourage himself in God's presence. Fast forward, David is now a king, not just of one territory, but of entire Israel. And a king, you know, at that time, he, they, they have a lot of power, they have a lot of authority and things, things like that. And one of, he's, he's a man of influence, he, he's got everything at a beck and call and think people are ready, troops are ready, everyone is ready to serve David in the palace. In the midst of that, this is what happens. Now, let me give you a couple of things that used to happen when a new king was appointed during that time. When a new king was appointed, it was customary that, that when a ruler defeated his family, uh, the other family, wait, let me read this right. It was customary that when a ruler was defeated, that his family would be killed as well so that there would be no lineage. of that ruler left to reclaim the throne. Okay? However, we see something different happening. The second word I want you to remember is this word called Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. I know, Nenad, what is wrong with you? Why are you giving us so complicated words today? Anybody remember Ziklag? The second word I want you to remember is Mephibosheth. Because in the context of Mephibosheth, David models out kindness and gentleness. By the way, we're still talking about the fruits of the Spirit, okay? Through the life of David and how he modeled it out. Mephibosheth is a classic example of how you can still be passionate and use your authority and power in the right place if you are continually seeking God's presence. 
Now David is a king. He's been appointed as a ruler of Israel. And, and Mephibosheth is one of the grandsons of, of the other king who, who was there from, who was seeking his life. The same king called King Saul. And King Saul has got this grandson called Mephibosheth. And, and David has all the possible freedom to put an end to his life. In fact, not, not freedom. He's got all legitimate reasons to put an end to Mephibosheth. But this is what David does. David set his heart to do the right thing. His heart was destined to do the right thing. If you read 2 Samuel verses, uh, chapter 9, verse 7, this is David having a conversation with Mephibosheth, and this is what he says. Don't be afraid, David said to him. For I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul. And you will always eat at my table. We have a tough time forgiving our maids for not showing up for one week. Come on, let's be real, guys. David, this guy's wired in a different way. This guy's really wired in a different way. And I think the simplest extract that I can pull out from David's lifestyle is he never compromised his relationship with God. Because you, you can't do things like this in your own strength. If you, if you read how Saul tried to kill David numerous times, I mean, there was a javelin that was thrown at him. They secretly resented David for his strength and everything the way. Saul was jealous of him because he killed more people than, than him. and th Like what not? It, the list goes on and on and on. But David, when he gets an opportunity that he can like, finish the entire lineage of Saul, he shows kindness. That's the mark of a passionate Christ follower. In today's time... Your mark and your, my mark is when we intentionally show kindness. Even when you have been wronged. That hurts, right? Yeah. It's very difficult. And I'm not going to stand up here telling, trying to tell you that I've done it always. It's, it's very challenging. But I know this is what God wants me to share this, uh, with, with all of us. David modeled kindness. Where he, could, where he could take revenge, he released forgiveness. Where he, could, where, he could, where he could speak punishment, he spoke gentleness. And, and verse 13, it says, Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table he was, because he was, lame, uh, he was lame in both feet. You know, I don't know if you have read this verse in Psalm 30. This speaks about the nature of God. And this is David reflecting that God's very nature. This is what Psalm 30 verse 5 says. For his anger lasts only for a moment. But his favor, come on guys, lasts for a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. This is David modeling out that in his time of ruling. 
when he has everything you know but something else i want to share with you in the context of david and mephibosheth this is a beautiful reflection of jesus and us david and mephibosheth is a beautiful reflection of jesus and us see in the midst of all the wrongs that we do or we have done or we would do in the future in the midst of all the possible times we have felt helpless or emotionally or mentally handicapped in the midst of all our brokenness guilt shame and rejection jesus still reached out to you and to me and he has shown the kindness the unconditional love and showered his grace upon you and me and he has not waited until you come to a place of perfection i love i love the story because i can i can relate to this so well we have been offered a seat at the king's table guys because of the love and the kindness shown to us by Christ we have been offered a seat at the king's table all of us see we are talking about passion right our god is a zealous god the god that you and me sing about the god and you and me talk about the god and you and me believe in is a zealous god he's passionately in love with us and desires the best for us in every possible way and because god is zealous as his children as his followers being zealous is not just an option but rather it's not even an emotion you know we say oh yeah you're passionate it's a great emotion to have i think if you and me are to be zealous zealous being zealous needs to be our lifestyle it really needs to be our lifestyle and and it will only be possible if you do this because the more we know jesus the more zealous we are to be in making him known so i just want to wrap this up by just reminding you you have a seat at the table you have a shot at life and life in abundance you have received the forgiveness even when you have messed up so many times we have been recipients of the grace and the unconditional love of god even when we are nowhere close to being perfect because that's the kind of love Jesus has displayed for the entire world when he took up the cross for you and for me when he took up our punishments on himself and offered us the new life that we have in Christ Jesus and that's why you and me have no option but to be intentional when it comes to a passion for God that's why you and me don't don't have to take this christian walk so lightly that no matter what comes my way i'll just handle it however i need to handle it no let's let's be a community that is really really passionate about our faith let's be people that are zealous for good works let's be people that through our model modeling of our faith we 
we, we, we show out those values through the work of our hands and with the words of our mouth. That's the community that God wants to create in, in us and through us. So church, I just want to close by telling you this. Let's be passionate to resonate the unconditional love of Christ with every opportunity that we get. I know it's not perfect always. I know it's, it's difficult. I know it, it, sometimes we don't feel like it. We don't always wake up passionate. At least I don't. But God still expects that passion from you because you don't have to do it in your own strength. Turn to the person next to you and say, don't do it in your own strength. Just say, go to God. Go to God. Seek His face. Find encouragement in Him. Strengthen yourself in Him. And we will be a community that is passionate. We will be a community that, that will see the fruit of the Spirit come alive through our conversation. Come alive with every activity, every program, every, everything that we do together. We will be the ones who will release the love, the peace, the kindness, the self-control, the gentleness that is required for the people around us. If you take a look around, people need those things. And the truth is, we have them. We have it within us, guys. So let's be passionate. I really want to challenge all of us, including myself today, I don't care how many years you have been a Christ follower. I really want us to look into your, your level of how passionate you really are for God. Not, not, for, not for church. For God. Not for serving in the church. For His presence. Not for attending church meetings, not for attending connect group meetings, not for attending everything that we do. But how hungry are we for His presence? That's a question that I want to leave you with tonight. And if you're saying that, Ninad, I really want to take my passion to the next level. Or for some of you, I really want to know more about Jesus. I really want to know what it means to have a seat at the king's table. It starts by simply putting your faith and your trust in Jesus. If you're sitting over here and if you have never made a decision to receive Jesus as a savior and the Lord of your life, maybe that's the first step of you starting a life that is passionate. So even as I ask everyone of you, just stand up. And if you can just look into your life for the next few minutes. Come on, guys. Can we do this together? Just take a couple of minutes to pray over your life. If you don't know how to pray, just say, God, give me the passion. For some of you, it might be, God, I really want to know you more. For some of you, it might be, God, I think, I think I lost my passion in my ziklag. But it's in the midst of ziklag where David encouraged himself in the Lord. It's in the midst of the challenges and the struggles and the pain that you are experiencing where you and me can encourage and strengthen ourselves in Jesus. 
So come on, I don't want us to be quiet for the next few minutes, but just lift up your voices and just say what you know what you need to talk when it comes to you and God. So can we just do that for the next few minutes? Come on. Every single person in this room, I want to pray for especially those who have never made a choice to receive Jesus in your life. If you're here, if you have been listening to this and if you start, if you want to start a life that is passionate for God, it can start by simply putting your faith and your trust in Jesus. So if that's you in this place, I just want you to say the simple words, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. That is the start of your relationship with the creator of the universe. If you have made that decision, I just want you to pray along God that you would give me the strength and provide the opportunities to know you. Because I want to put my trust in you. I trust you with my life. And I believe in the finished work of the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have made that prayer, I want you to know that you are starting. You have started a new life in Christ. But I also believe this is a significant moment for us as a community. That even as we are approaching the first year, I don't want us to just be celebrating you know, the next coming weekend. But I really want us to step into the second year with the passion and the zeal that God wants to release over each and every one of us. And, and I'm not going to force this on anyone. I'm not going to, you know, ask you to say these prayers. But if you are really passionate to see your life being used for the kingdom of God, this is your moment. We don't need to wait for another revival crusade. We don't need to wait for another big conference to happen. It's in this setting where God can rekindle the fire that some of you are even questioning tonight. It's in this moment where God can release a new zeal, a new fire, a new passion to know Him and to make Him known. So if that's you, we want to pray for you tonight. If that's you, can you just lift up your hands and just worship Jesus. Say, God, I want to know you more. God, I want to know you more. Jesus, that you would instill that fire, that passion, that love that I feel that is going out, that is fading away. Father, I pray that every single hand that is lifted up in this room tonight, you would honor the faith over here. You would honor the dedication, the commitment, and the availability of these hearts and these lives right now. And Father, Holy Spirit, that you release a new fire, you release a new passion, you release a new love, oh God, in their hearts, in their lives, Jesus. Because it's only through you and through your love we can make you known and we can experience your purpose and your plans for us. I want to give you praise, God, for everything that we have been talking about over the last few weeks, about the core values. Lord, let this not just be a time where we have just filled in 10 weeks, but let this be a life-shifting moment for all of us. That the future that you have in store for us is a future that cannot be achieved with human strength. It can only be achieved with the passion, the zeal, and the favor and the anointing that you would release upon us, O oh God. So come, Holy Spirit, 
and move in this community in a powerful way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about us, follow us on Instagram at zealouspune or visit our website at zealous.community.